Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. Sixty-seven. Great to have you here. Episode 167. It's the birthday Q&A. I thought I would. It's not actually my birthday today. It's tomorrow. Um, but this is close. We'll get to it. Uh, doing a live Q&A on a Monday. So hello everyone on Instagram. Thanks for watching. Hello on Facebook. And hello also to those watching on LinkedIn as well. Just doing the obvious housekeeping to uh, check in with everyone and make sure um, I've got everything set up. So thank you very much everyone for watching. If you're watching, of course, live put in the comments hashtag team live uh, and also where you're watching from as well i'd love to know what city you're in if you're watching uh the replay then you are part of team replay so hashtag team replay and let me know uh also where you're watching from as well it's always great to do this and i'm going to check in a minute i'm slightly uh, apprehensive and i'm sure it will work uh that with the new tech in place with the test working effectively we should be live on LinkedIn right now as well, so I'm going to check that in a minute. But in the meantime, thank you in advance for everyone who uh, has sent all the questions through. I'm going to do a couple of giveaways today as well. Uh, but let's have a look. I'll just check on LinkedIn. Should be live, no problem. Richard Moore is live. Good. So um, my laptop, because you know, even when tech works, you have to have new tech problems. My laptop that I would use to um, monitor the LinkedIn stream because you can't see your comments otherwise. Um, decided to update Windows 10. That's really handy, about 15 minutes ago. So it's currently um, <laughs> not, not working right now. So I've picked up an iPad and anyone who knows me properly will know I'm not an Apple person. So let's see how that works. Um, but I'm gonna watch it on the iPad instead to make sure I get everyone's questions as they come through. So if I can quickly find that, we should be fine. So the questions today, an AMA on anything you like, ask me any questions, but typically, and those for those of you who are coming for the first time, this is a startup business Q&A. So I've been doing this for 167 weeks, including this week, uh, and we answer any questions on, um, on startup businesses, sales, marketing, that kind of sweet spot. Who wants to do the maths for me? An average is six, uh, sorry, is eight questions, in fact, per week. So pop that in the comments, eight questions times 167 weeks. We actually got more this week. Um, how many questions have we done so far? We've, done, we've got two giveaways to do this week. Uh, I'll be giving away The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. I'll also be giving away $341 worth of my courses, three of my courses I'm giving away uh, to a winner. Uh, thank you everyone who's watching. Uh, Lila on Instagram, you've just done the maths. 1,336 questions-ish. Uh, inclusive of the ones we're going to get through today as well. A couple of bits of housekeeping firstly. So um, this week, some big stuff coming on. Firstly is this episode. Thank you very much for everyone watching. Secondly, um, my birthday tomorrow. Those of you who want to know, <laughs> I'm 39 actually tomorrow. So it's my last year of, in, of being in my 30s. And um, But then Wednesday, I'm flying out to Milan for Digital Design Days. Thank you so much to Filippo, who's organized this. People who did uh, creative design and digital design for things like Stranger Things, Lord of the Rings, Uber, Spotify, Mastercard, they're all there, some amazing people. And I'll, yes, obviously be speaking about and doing a workshop on LinkedIn. No surprises there. So that's the focus for that. Thank you in advance, everyone who's saying happy birthday as well. 
Uh, and so a couple of other details as well. So we've got uh, Milan this week. I will try and do some streaming uh, when I'm there so you can see what's going on ideally of, of the talk itself. I'll be speaking on Thursday. I'm actually the first talk of the whole event, so I'm quite pleased with that. Um, uh, but a couple of other things. So next Thursday on the 17th, we have part three of New York City Entrepreneur Business Live. So um, Alison Fisher, who's come to both in January and May this year, uh, has very kindly decided to host uh, this one. So I won't be there in person. She's going to be hosting it. She, she curated it as well. So decided on the theme, brought in the speakers too. It's going to be on empowerment for business. Uh, so she's bringing in um, Jennifer Collins, who's been to a couple of the other events as well. Uh, also, uh, Enzo Ochoga, I think I've said her name right, who works in this very important space. And Martha Bonetti, who's a senior policy advisor in the White House. So some serious speakers there. Thank you very much in advance, everyone involved. That's in New York City on the 17th. If you go to my website, therichardmore.com, you can check out the information. But as if that wasn't enough, uh, I want to do more. So on the 30th, of October this month, uh, we have part two of Entrepreneur Business Live San Francisco, hosted by the amazing Jonathan Javier, who's ex-Snapchat, ex-Google, now at Cisco, uh, who are probably enjoying how amazing he is. Uh, and he's hosting it with three, is it two or three times? Uh, I think it's three times, LinkedIn top voice, Natalie Rizzo, uh, and also Mr. Future of Work himself, the global evangelist for WeWork, uh, Tim Salal. So like, these are some serious lineups. And they don't need me getting in the way. So they're going to be running these. That's on building communities uh, in San Francisco on the 30th of October. Again, you can grab tickets right now uh, on my website. And moving into to November, we will be having uh, London, the final London. We will also be having LA in the third week as well. And then I'm trying to squeak in Ottawa before the end of the year. So a lot happening. Shall, shall we answer some questions? I think we should. I'm actually getting LinkedIn working. I'm thrilled that that's working, no problem. So... If you're just joining now, in the comments, hashtag Team Live, if you're watching right now, or if you're watching later, hashtag Team Replay. Pop in the comments as well where you're watching from. This is Startup Business Q&A episode 167. So first question is from Roger Wilkerson, my friend, always way over in the Far East. Don't know if you're watching or not. Um, and he said, happy birthday. Thanks so much uh, uh, for tomorrow. Um, my question, are you, <laughs> actually, this is nothing to do with business. Are you ready for your 40s? They're only a year away. Well, I don't know because I've not been in my 40s, Roger. Um, uh, you have. Ha! So you can perhaps tell me what you think. Without question, I'm not worried. I, I don't think I'm going to have any kind of breakdown or midlife crisis about it. Um, I'm really happy about where I am right now with, with it. With it. Um, 30s have been marvellous so far and I'm not finished. I class myself as mid-30s so still, even though I'm 39 tomorrow. Um, you know, everything's going very well and uh, let's hope 40s are awesome. I feel ready as I could be. And uh, yeah, I'm not feeling decrepit or, uh, you know, over the hill in any way at all. Whether or not I do next year, who knows? You'll have to ask me again, I suppose. But thanks very much for the question. What do you think, you lot? Uh, how old do I look? Uh, and do you think I should, I'm ready for being 40 as well? Um, the final London, Lila Lasagna is just asking uh, what I meant by the final London event uh, in November for Entrepreneur Business Live. The final one of 2019, I should have been clear, sorry. So we will do more without question, but I wanted to do one more before the end of the year, uh, supporting the amazing Drive Forward Foundation. It's a really exciting charity we're working with. Uh, you've also asked a question here, Lila, so let's get into this. What's been the greatest lesson in scalability that you've taken from having EBL events all over the world, some not hosted by you? The greatest lesson 
is that if you trust people in your inner circle, go in with your gut and work, I really feel that this is payoff from spending so much time with people individually, people like you, Lila, um, you know, traveling and meeting people, spending time offline in, you know, in a call or whatever it might be, and really working hard on the relationships. It means that there's a strong level of trust and in return, people don't want to screw up your events. They really want to do a good thing by you. So people have really said nice things about them. And I think it goes without saying that these events have been really successful. We've already done Melbourne. We're about to do New York. We've done Toronto and we've done Chicago where I've not been there. And what I really like uh, about the scalability is everyone's cool with the format, three speakers, then networking, all on one particular topic and a, uh, a charity component. Aside from that, it's bringing their own flavor. And I really like that. So the, the greatest lesson in scalability has been that you can scale and you can scale something that still looks like the essence of what it was always meant to be. But allowing people to go do their thing has meant in Melbourne, we had dancing. So thank you, Diana, for that. In Toronto, we had kickboxing. Thank you to... Um, uh, Katja Forsyth for that, as she brought in her personal train at the end of her talk. And in London, for example, although I wasn't, I was there, in London we had um, Michelle Raymond singing, you know, and people, you know, this is, these are business networking events, but people bring in their own angles on it. And I know that Alison and Jonathan with, with um, New York and San Francisco respectively this month will be bringing their own angle on it as well. So it's great because the format's simple, it's informal enough, and it goes out saying that, uh, you know, people can kind of add their own thing to it. If I bolted it down too much and made it the Richard Moore show and it was all very rigid, I don't think it would scale and have the momentum it seems to be getting. And the exciting thing is, um, is that our, our, my, you know, the target this year was to evangelize around the world about it. But I didn't really do much of the world. I did very much the America, uh, Canada uh, and London space with a dabbling here and there in Barcelona and Melbourne. And next year, the big push pretty much through the back end of Q1 into Q2 will be into Asia. So I'm really excited about Tokyo. I'm really excited about Shanghai, Singapore and Hong Kong are, are definites as well. So it's exciting to see how that's going to progress too. So uh, lots of fun there. And the follow-up question for you, Lila, before I move on, having that set format, having trust in your inner circle and letting go of control, as long as the original intent is there, is scalable. Absolutely. The reason why I believe with these events that people are wanting to keep the essence of it and the format the same is because there's been a really wonderful response to it. You know, the charity thing's really been great. People get to learn a lot. It feels like really practical and, and the feedback's really good. So I daren't call it a movement. That's not me to say, but without question, there's a lot of good feeling about it. So people don't want to muck about with it too much. And that, that really, really matters. Um, over on uh, Facebook, let's get into Daniel Nunes. So thank you very much, uh, who in the new year, we're going to be running the first Entrepreneur Business Life Phoenix event with you and Mona Nairi. Politics, I saw you mention it in a LinkedIn post. I actually mentioned that I don't talk about politics so much, uh, although I dropped in Brexit as a joke. Know it's best not to get into debates. However, I also know it's not good to remain ignorant of politics. Are there suggestions of polit for political posts that aren't so divisive? My opinion here is it's a good idea to be aware of politics without question. It is, is part of what makes your country go in whatever direction it might. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to talk about them. So I, I, I read about politics and so on, but I don't typically speak about it that much. So I don't find myself in a place where I talk about it in my posts. 
Um, it could be crowbarred in and made relevant, but it's not something necessarily that I'm interested in doing. Um, if it comes up, sure. I was interviewed by Bobby the Bear and Brexit was the theme. So, uh, you know, I was absolutely fine with talking about it there. No problem at all. Um, and you know what? It, the thing is, if you're going to bring these things up, yeah, it's good to be devices because then people know where you stand. And as long as you can back up your points of view and have healthy debate, I don't really see any problem with it at all. Um, I just want to keep my, personally, my uh, uh, approach is to keep the focus very pure on startup business sales marketing world. And if that was be, to be relevant to politics, then fine. And um, if you look at Entrepreneur Business Live New York on Thursday next week, one of the speakers is an active policy advisor uh, at the moment in the US. And she um, obviously has her political views, but she's not there for that. And, and I think that there's, uh, there's no harm in having people involved who are in a political place. Um, but they have their own brief for the actual event itself. So it's an interesting one, uh, without question. Uh, more questions coming, more points coming through. Daniel Nunes, just uh, we'll finish up with another one from you. Three keys to identifying a non-profit partner for EBL. So the, the charity partners I identify, the main thing for me is always about, is there a story behind the charity? You know, why are we getting involved with it? Drive Forward Foundation, um, is a charity I was unaware of uh, a year ago. Um, and then, I think it was October actually last year, Lucy Elamad, who's one of the um, corporate connections, uh, or, or in connected with the corporate uh, uh, side um, for, for the charity, uh, attended my event and was like, I really wanna get involved. I know you're looking for charities. Um, how can I do it? And I learned about what they did and I was just like this is phenomenal work they work with people leaving care so after the age of 16 you leave you leave care you have to kind of to a degree fend for themselves and um you know you, there's some amazing stories so it meant something to me without question that's the thing that stands out so Miami two weeks ago we worked with Fit Team Foundation, who was a, a business that meant a lot to Shanae, who was one of the speakers there. Rather than just putting out a post saying, hey, are there any charities in the area? It means a lot if it means something to people. The other two things I'm interested in are children and education, um, because I have children, and so their education matters to me. It's just where I am right now, I suppose. That's how I, that's how I do it. Um, let's get into um, the next question uh, from Andrew Helms. What are the best ways to lead gen? This actually depends. This depends because it, it depends on what you're actually selling. Um, if you're selling a low ticket product, if I'm selling a product that is, you know, uh, a $5, you know, base of sales ladder kind of product, I'll be hitting hard on, on ads and I'll be retargeting the hell out of them because that's a good way of targeting a mass of people and kind of top of funneling them. Whereas if I'm going for um, high ticket, low volume, perhaps consulting gigs, um, I may result, it may result in me closing people who had responded to or, 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 or seen ads, for instance, but typically the, the best way to um, lead source those is manually. You know, if you're if you're a decent consultant, you won't need 500 leads a month. You need six and you need to be working with a few clients. because You're doing a great job for them. And with that in mind, it's like manuals, the only way that's the way I like to, to approach it. Um, so there's lots of different ways you can you can be doing it. But what tr what's trending right now, Andrew, is the show 
So the show of what you do, the documenting, as we often call it, of how your, how your life is in your work, sharing tips and value, and generally inviting people into your ecosystem. And what this does is it brings people in who decide for themselves or select themselves um, and, and say, you know what, I find this interesting. And when they stay in orbit around you, they warm up and then they decide, you know what, I, I actually want to buy from this person. So the, the, that kind of content-led or value-led approach is trending right now and I, I see it will last for a very long time because done well, it's the most authentic way of getting in front of people and sharing what you're all about. Using things like video and live streams like this allows us to say, you know, here's really who I am. And the person at the other end who's watching has a sense of, you know, what the what it would be like to work with you. At the very least, uh, some judgment can be made on, on how the interface would look if you were to interact. And for some people watching this right now, they just won't dig me. And other people are like, this guy seems all right. And, and they eventually, as I say, they select themselves and... It's a longer play, but without question, it's a more fulfilling one for both sides. But also, it's a it's a deeper play. It's much more effective because it's rooted in trust and building familiarity rather than just catching someone on the hop and saying the right things in the moment, which is one heck of a difficult art form to take. So I think that's important. One thing I would add is that when you are uh, lead sourcing, one of the biggest mistakes I see, and this is for the entire spectrum of types of leads, is... Ironically, too much overqualification, let me rephrase that, too much pre-qualification ahead of interaction with the leads because it is far better to qualify in the moment with the person on a, you know, on a call or once they've consumed an advert or through DMs or something like that rather than try and do all of the guesswork before they've actually received any content or any engagement from you. And I genuinely believe this because I think there's too much over-research and a lot of, I don't think this set of people would be right because, and then it's all just conjecture. So you need to do it based on evidence. So that's why a lot of testing is necessary. Great adverts on Facebook, for example, start work with loads and loads of experiment because no one's that lucky. And it's the same with everything. You need to kind of really qualify in, on the pitch, if you like, the best people for you, rather than try and guess it all at the front end before you bother to actually take any first steps. There's a really good question there. Um, let's uh, hop over to uh, LinkedIn. Let's see if there's any questions here. Uh, many happy returns, says Celeste. Thank you so much. Gosh, there's a lot of you on here right now. That's excellent. Uh, Team Lives is Michael Rincon. I think you've got a question here as well. Anthony English live on LinkedIn. Yeah, finally. <laughs> no, I, no diss for uh, Restream, but I, it just didn't work for me. And it got a bit embarrassing when I'm announcing I'm going to do live streams and then it doesn't work. So thank you, StreamYard, for being decent. $25 a month to unbrand it as well. It's phenomenal. I think I've got my own little Richard Moore logo, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, that really works for me. Steve Sullivan's, yeah, he finally popped up in LinkedIn. Hi from Chicago. Happy birthday from Anna Sabino. Thank you for watching. Probably in Hawaii, I think you are right now. Day, uh, Mike Corbell, good to see you from Austin, Texas. I will be in Austin next year. I will do an, an EBL in Austin next year. I am coming for you guys. Uh, Austin slash da Dallas, I should think. Um, Steve Sullivan has asked, do you think people buy based on products or services or relationships or systems. There was a survey done in this. I'm desperate to find it because I remember reading it like four or five years ago. 
um, there was a big science done on this, uh, Steve. It was like 26,000 people or something and buying decisions made, um, uh, buying decisions looked at. And it was broken down as follows. In terms of the reasons why people buy things, 58%, let's just call it 60, of the reason why someone buys something is relationships slash connection with the brand or business or person selling. So for example, the iPhone in your hand right now, you bought mostly because of the, the way it resonated with the fact that iPhone and Apple as a brand and a cultural icon signifying status and so on uh, resonates with you. So that's really important. 30%-ish is, I think like 32% was down to um, technique, the approach taken to actually move you through a number of systems or, or stages to close you from zero and cold to, yeah, I think I'll buy this now in a very formulaic, logical way. And the final like 8% or whatever the maths would be, the, the last little bit uh, was is the product itself. So if you take the iPhone analogy, you know, you've got the chipset, the type of RAM with the frequency and megahertz that it operates at, the screen size, what it's made from, if it's an OLED screen, the specific chemical composition of the glass, what kind of business made the AI for the, uh, you know, for the, the, um, uh, the, the GUI and all that kind of thing, all this stuff is the product. No one buys iPhones because of that. And if you're that much of a hyper nerd, you tend to not buy the iPhone, right? You, you know, if for instance, the camera matters to you, you're not buying an iPhone, you're buying the Lumix or, you know, the, the Huawei one or the, uh, the one with, um, uh, that Nokia has, this absurd megapixel count or something like that. You're, you're going in on, on that angle instead. But in the main, it's been shown that because we're humans first, and we like to think that we're rational in decision-making in all buying situations. We actually lead with emotion first and that emotion um, manifests in our uh, feeling that we resonate with the brand or the business or the person selling to us. It's a really good question that I'm going to go way deeper on it. And if anyone can find that research, I'd love to see it again because it really, really was valuable to read that. Thank you so much. All the other happy birthdays coming through. Uh, when am I coming to Dallas, asks Calbert, and hello Kyle, good to see you, hello Christine Robinson, hello Sean, Larry, hello Carolina Mankowski. Dallas, I don't know, probably Q2, I think, uh, I will come over, uh, but I, we absolutely have to have one before the first uh, end of the half year uh, to get it done. Birthday Boy is live, thank you so much, Christine. Just for the record, everyone, I'm, I'm 39 tomorrow, uh, so I'm technically still a, just a little spring chick uh, as a 38-year-old today. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it's my birthday tomorrow. Um, so yeah, Dallas is in Q2 uh, next year is the plan. Let's look at the giveaway, first giveaway. So um, $341 of courses. So I'm giving away today, monetize you. And by the way, if you don't win this, you can still buy them if you, if you want to. They're really, really successful courses on therichardmore.com under products. So monetize you is I, I built this a couple of years ago because I was getting really annoyed with all the free, with all the, not free, with all the courses out there that were teaching you to learn like something completely new um, uh, in order to sell stuff. So, for example, how to make a million quid, um, you know, 
flipping stuff on Amazon or, or doing uh, Forex trading or Bitcoin trading, stuff no one knows anything about. I didn't want to, you know, I was concerned that people wanted to wanted to make money uh, and, and monetize themselves, but they had to learn something new. So this course, Monetize You, is about monetizing stuff you already know. It takes you through the process of how to get your first clients, you know, through uh, understanding the psychology and the mechanisms that work in the DMs, how to attract people and so on. Like it's a real kind of fundamentals of online selling manually to get your first uh, business. It really, really is a good way of uh, doing it. The second course is Basics of Sales. I coach corporates and I have done for over a decade now uh, in how to sell in person, on the phone, um, you know, in email and so on. And I've bottled that into this course. That's one of my successful ones, really successful ones, because it's a nice one that you can apply anywhere. And the third one, Basics of LinkedIn, has been the most successful course uh, where you, you know, it's, it's how I built uh, the first three months of my LinkedIn uh, last year. I made the thing and it did really, really well uh, because it was just clarity on how to get meaningful engagement and traction as a no one, which I certainly was when I started. I had basically no followers at all. So those three courses um, you can buy right now, but I'm going to give them away to the best question today. And here's the best question, in my opinion. It's my show, so it's my opinion, uh, is from Valentin Costa. Dadinov, I hope it said your name wrong. Hope you're watching as well, Valentin. If you're not, then you may maybe catch us on Team Replay. Um, so, Valentin, you've won the courses with your question. So you need to DM me uh, your email and I'll set you up with them. Hey, Richard, happy birthday. What a way to start a question, right? Amazing. My birthday, my birthday, my question would be, is selling more, to, more of an art type activity or a math one? In, in the UK, we say maths by the way, just saying, or a math one, but I'll let that go, it's still a good question. What that basically means is, do you focus more on creative tactics, emotions for every client individually, or do you put them in a bucket and apply statistical approach? Looking forward to the Q&A session. So let's read this again. What this basically means is, do you focus more on the creative tactics, emotions for every client individually, or put them in a bucket and apply statistical approach? I think we both know the answer, we all know the answer here. And in addition, is always going to be an element of well, it depends, and well, a bit of both. Um, we need to understand, and what, what you're doing here is you're creating, a, you're, you're being a bit too black and white about how there's formulas and, and approaches and maths and algorithms, and then there's the touchy-feely emotional side. But you can merge the two because we've got to understand there is a mechanism in play with emotions um, when it comes to selling. Also, and so what you can do is create formulas um, and structure um, uh, around how you work through, for instance, approaching someone completely cold. There is a psychology involved. It may feel touchy-feely. It may be like, ah, I've just got to kind of get the person and hopefully build rapport and hopefully they'll like me. It's not, it's not as nebulous as that. If you understand it well enough, you can actually make that artistry quite formulaic and have a really strong approach that works. I, I'm just like, I was rereading for like the fifth time um, Pitch Anything by Oren Claff recently. And it's just, he just nails this so well, the kind of the, the neurochemistry going on. And getting that means you can be quite uh, specific on how you approach uh, people, even not knowing what they're like and knowing how to pivot and, and be agile in the pursuit of connecting with uh, the kind of state of mind they're currently in. So it definitely can be made formulaic. Um, and I think 
but I think there is value in having milestones and objectives along the way and understanding how to build a pipeline and the stages that a client or prospect might go through in order to buy from you. And you can really, the term is craft out deals by jumping through certain hoops and approaching things in certain ways. And I've taken people who are really quite terrible at selling and, and I have no track record to speak of to successfully and almost predictably generate sales weekly because they're following certain steps. The hardest part about sales, genuinely, when you get it, is sticking to it and not going off piste uh, and trying different things. It's really hard to do. And I think if you can have that self-discipline, you really tend to win. So it's a really good question, uh, Valentina. You've won all three courses, so congratulations to you. Uh, uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, lots of comments coming through there. Um, Nura Mubarak, computer science graduate. Nice to hear from you on LinkedIn. Your birthday, whether it's today or tomorrow, it's tomorrow. Every day you open your eyes, it's a new birth for you. So I wish you a happy day. Thank you very much. Celeste, many have returns. Thank you very much. Lots of uh, uh, questions coming through as well. Hannah Lynham, managing director, founder at something, because it hasn't shown up on the screen, sorry. Uh, happy birthday for tomorrow, Richard. Watching from Dublin over in Ireland. Team Dublin, how many have we got on LinkedIn right now? Marvellous, we've got dozens of you watching. Um, question, how should startup entrepreneurs avoid the perfection trap and know when to let go? It's as simple as this, Hannah. Perfection is in the eye of the beholder. If you made something, this isn't possible, but if you made something that in your eyes was the perfect product, and even if you did all the research in the world, the perfect product, two things are gonna happen. Firstly, the audience that consumes that product or, or engages with that or observes that product will not have the same worldview as you. They've gone through a different life that you have. They've got different conditioning. They have a different day in front of them. You may be feeling great about life. Their mortgage just fell through. You just got a new puppy. Their husband just left them. You know, so many different worldviews are in play here. Their idea of what perfection looks like is different to yours. And the only idea of perfection that matters is theirs. It's theirs. It's not yours. Um, you can evangelize all you like, but only on the day when someone sees your product is perfect, is it perfect. So that's the first thing in play. The second thing is no matter how perfect it is, it will decay over time. So no matter how perfect, for instance, in 2007, the iPhone Series 1 was, we've got a theme here today, um, you know, by now it's no longer perfect, it's completely obsolete. Okay, so perfection dies over time and perfection is in the eye of the beholder. Perfection, therefore, as advice in your question to startup entrepreneurs, is completion in the words of Seth Godin. In fact, perfection is shipping it, is getting it out the door. And far better a way to work is, again, another quote is Reid Hoffman of uh, LinkedIn fame, is to build the airplane on the way down. What that really means is build something that works and can help people throw it out to market and then iterate as you go and that's what most products do right now my laptop's not uh it's kind of out of commission because it's updating it's out of, it's updating because the windows 10 uh um uh 
OS that's on it is now no longer working as it should, so it's updating to the new one. It was perfect for them when it came out, but it no longer is, you see. So it's just important to understand perfection decays and perfection is in the eye of, of the beholder. So you, you need to get things out the door and work on them in the market or on the pitch or however you want to say it. That is the way to do it. Get over yourself because you're perfect isn't everyone else's perfect and unless you're the one doing the buying which you're not you're you know you need to focus on what's perfect for other people you cannot guess you have to test full of rhymes today but that's a really good question ha uh, hannah thank you very much um lots of happy birthdays thank you very much thank you thank you are your events all over the uk celeste good question well technically no or not all over the uk yet that's in a plan of mine we've had one in uh, nottingham that the marvellous Raph Barron ran uh, with um, Rachel Chang streaming from Dallas uh, and also um, uh, Kieran Bailey as well. That was in August this year, but otherwise they've been in London so far. First week of November will be the last London EBL Entrepreneur Business Live event of the year um, and we will have more uh, uh, across the country. I know there's Appetite for one in Liverpool, uh, I believe possibly in Edinburgh as well and who knows where else. So we'll have to see what happens. I can't go to them all. This is very much why I'm trying to let other people go run them themselves. Uh, thank you for the happy birthdays, Reese, Carolina, Judy, and so on. Anyone else here asking? Let's get on with this next question. Matt Crump. By the way, I really, really enjoyed being on your podcast, your interview recently. Um, thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, it was a really good uh, podcast. So check out Matt Crump on LinkedIn. Uh, Richard Moore, happy birthday, my friend. Question, what, what, would you find, how, what have you found more valuable, Facebook advertising to a funnel or organic traffic on LinkedIn? Wow, question. They're both so good. You know, I honestly, I've not done so much LinkedIn advertising because the organic is insane. I did post on Saturdays like 17,000 views in, in 24 hours. I mean, and it wasn't even just a picture and some text, you know. Uh, uh, so it's outrageous traffic. But the penetration you can get with, with Facebook ads is far superior to, to LinkedIn ads. Um, and you have to be very precise in how you work to distribute your content organically on LinkedIn. Post and hope is never going to work. You have to core and manage, really manage your community really well to get it going anywhere. But I think the great thing about Facebook is that I can target not just a locality, but also demographic all the way down to net worth and income and interest and things like that. And it's spectacular because of course that feeds into Instagram because it's owned by Facebook as well. So I really find, um, it would be madness not to do both. Um, but I do think, I, I think the thing about Facebook ads that I've found so positive is that I use ads to not do what you'd classically expect. So I don't use Facebook ads as much, I do, but not as much purely to sell courses. So, hey, buy the course or have you learned these steps about LinkedIn, come click through and be retargeted and then buy the course. That kind of features a bit but in the main, the ads are actually top of funnel stuff, way higher top of funnel stuff. And what that means is money spent. So it looks like an ad, but actually it's against content. So it's just literally the content itself. OK, so I've got, you know, a post focused on value. Maybe the call to action is, you know, what's your opinion on this? not buy a course or check this out. It's literally just that. And the ad spend is a great way, for instance, to get 
6,000 people looking at a post on Instagram, right? And I know that if the quality of the content is strong enough, which I know it is, that of those 6,000 people, 427 will will stick around and, and see the next bit or peruse a bit and 39 might decide to follow. Do you see what I mean? So I think that works so well. And what I'm doing is banking on the fact that my content is frequent enough, is it's quality enough and it's focused enough on what I do that it makes sense that people want to stick around for more, uh, uh, you know, when it comes around. And eventually, again, as I said earlier, they select themselves and decide to, um, you know, buy something further down 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 the funnel uh thank you very much to everyone uh watching on instagram if you're uh watching um uh the replay you'll be watching on igtv and so just so you know you can watch the replays on all of the channels so you can watch on facebook on linkedin it gets it stays up there as a replay on instagram so v.richard.more you can watch uh the 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 uh igtv replay and of course if you're on on the move you can listen to the podcast uh on my website but also on itunes spotify and all the rest of them as well let's crack on so uh next question is from who well, how far have we got so uh let's go to um carolina mankowski i think you're watching on LinkedIn, what is one thing every entrepreneur must do and or learn to be successful? Um, I've worked with a lot of uh, startups and people who built their own thing. And I think there's a lot of things that I could suggest here, but without question, one that stands out, one that stands out is self-discipline because that permeates everything. And it's so tempting when because i know because i've worked with salespeople of all you know this is where it's worse when when things go well in fact when things go well that people take the foot off the gas because it's human too it's like you get comfortable uh when there's a big deal people feel flush you see it all the time and you know people work so hard when they start their business and when they get their big a break there's no big break typically it's a sustained thing but when you get your break what happens is you have you know your, your moment where maybe you do you do your, when you do your first five figure deal so you do like a ten thousand dollar deal it's a lovely moment and it's natural to to sit back and go i've, I've earned a rest now because you know i put all that work in to get here and it's so hard to keep to keep the wheels spinning because the way you gotta look at it is well i've got this client in who's next because i will need someone and no matter how much money i make that will you know fade over time i need to get more so self-discipline i think is the thing because that also goes into other things as well you need self-discipline to um manage yourself and your time self-discipline to not be tempted to be led astray by overuse of youtube or um you know not working when actually you really need to um or delaying and putting things off self-discipline is is where success tends to come from i've found really great book on this uh that i dipped into recently is the airbnb story about brian chesky and the rest of it and you know what goes without saying is that for like for the three months after they were um accepted onto the y combinator uh program uh which is a vc um uh, kind of university of if you like for startups in um san francisco uh for that first 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 three months they would do nothing but manually work every single 
potential customer for, for Airbnb. And the discipline was outrageous. And like reading that first chapter, I'm like, that's, that's what real hustle looks like. It's not, they're not posturing or posting on, on Instagram about how amazing they are or how hard they work. Um, you know, if they're posting, it's, it's, it's there, but the work that has so much depth to it. So I think self-discipline is the thing because people talk about self-awareness, sure, things like that, but self-awareness takes a long time to develop. Motivation, sure, but like the discipline to get on and do stuff when you're not motivated is really important, for instance. That's one of the things that's helped me a lot is when I'm not necessarily doing as well as I might uh, in terms of how I feel that day, if I'm just not in the mood, I've always got the discipline to get on with my work anyway. So my approach is like, sorry, don't care if you're not interested, Richard, or you're feeling a bit tired, just do it anyway, because if things need to be done, they need to be done. Um, so that's my answer. Put in the comments, what do you lot think? What is the thing that you think that startups or entrepreneurs need the most? What's the one thing? Great question, Karina. Thank you very much. Let's do the second giveaway. So the tipping point, if you haven't read this book, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's a really important book. Um, I give away books a lot of the time in the entrepreneur business group uh, on Facebook. So if you go to facebook.com, I have the URL. So forward slash groups, forward slash entrepreneur business group. Uh, all one word. That is firstly where we exclusively stream all the live streams for Entrepreneur Business Live. So next week's New York City event, uh, a couple of weeks ago we had Miami, the week before that we had Barcelona, end of month we've got San Francisco. They, all the speaker, speaking components, that first hour of the event, they all stream live uh, to the group. So make sure you joined it. But I also do a lot of giveaways, so sometimes money, you know, $50 for the best comment or something but also uh books that i've read and think are decent and this is like this is seminal work it's really important so the nice thing about the tipping point is it kind of really breaks down what happens at those moments where things take in society and so if you want uh going back to the airbnb book that the term is known as the network the network effect is what it is where 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 basically more and more people believe in something or do something or need something or act uh, with something that in turn perpetuates that so the more people use it a good example was facebook in 2004 you know people are jumping on it ha, ha, you know it, it works better when more and more people are using it and so the kind of the way that works it's a great book to read in tandem with uh, crossing the cavern uh, the chasm by jeffrey moore uh, absolutely brilliant so uh, the winner of this uh, was to answer a question, and the question I think the post that we put out put out the week at uh, the weekend was, "What's the most valuable lesson learned in 2019 in your business?" And um, loads of of great things have happened to you. All. So well done. Some really good, um, uh, you know, some really good. Uh, comments in there uh, but here's the winning one I had to it, this is one that goes to my heart anyway but this is one that I really wanted to um, uh, to, to say I had to win um, from Danny Patrick so congratulations to you and I know you've been on in the group for a couple of years now so it's really amazing uh, that you're still supporting and she's written remember this is a lesson she's learned in 2019 for her business action is key you can talk all day long plan things list out steps and post online but if you aren't actually taking action you aren't you aren't going to go anywhere i love that because especially nowadays there's so much posturing and so much uh effort going into people trying to make themselves look good and successful but they're not actually doing anything and it's sad that you have people who focus too much on the um, perception of success, but they're not actually getting on the ground and doing it. And, um, you know, for every post 
of positivity that comes out of uh, an entrepreneur business live event around the world. There's me being exceptionally tired, working very hard with amazing teams of people um, to build these things, you know, and and I think that the action component has to be certainly for startups, which is the point of this show. Um, you know, it's gonna be like 95% of it. It's hilarious when people are doing uh, even five month, six month plans on day one or week one, when life changes so quickly and what is required is so much of an unknown, even two weeks later. So it's a huge thing. And uh, Danny, that's a really great comment. So you had to win it. So uh, send me your details and I'll post this to you. Congratulations. Uh, to you as well. Uh, let's do a couple more questions. Just check on uh, LinkedIn if there's anyone else um, uh, who's writing a question. If you want to let me know uh, where you're watching from, if you've not already, and if you're hashtag team live, uh, if you just joined in as well, put in the comments. Also, if you have a question, anything today is at AMA. Um, so ask me anything you like for my birthday Q&A. Birthday is tomorrow. Uh, Christine Robinson on Facebook, you've said your view on product perfection is amazing. I'm using this with my brand client who wants every conceivable bell and whistle. Thank you. Just remember there's iterations. There has to be. If you want longevity, you will either, either pivot out and sell a different product or you will improve the current product. Apple decided to launch the iPhone and they've been iterating the iPhone. We're not yet in a place where they've decided to stop the iPhone and bring something new forward, whatever that might be in say 20 years time. But I think there's plenty of life uh, legs still in the iPhone. And um, you know, it's, they can't sit on it. And no matter how great they think it is, the moment it is launched, you will have the development team sitting on forums and reading the reviews and seeing where the bugs are and getting the feedback and improving it and you know and hopefully for you poor apple poor iphone users you'll get headphone jack back in the future and things like that you know so all this kind of <laughs> all this kind of thing is um you know it, it's important to understand perfection is is absolutely about what your customer perceives as perfection you can position it as a perfect a perfect product but you can't delay um to for the to the nth degree because you just aren't quite feeling perfect about it is absurd because the funny thing is even your own perception will change what i thought was a perfect course in eight step startup my first um it's a big business course i made in 2015 i think it's rubbish no it's not rubbish it's not as good as it might be now and a lot of the t of the knowledge in it isn't actually as accurate as it could be now because things have changed there's a commentary within it on um uh, the state of, of working with your finances and I feel slightly different about certain things not least also uh, Commentary on how to use social platforms and you know, there's no mention in there of of um, Leveraging LinkedIn as much and there should be for instance So things will change perfect then is no longer perfect now and that can change day to day Let's do a couple more questions before we finish Michael Rincon and I saw on uh, LinkedIn, so hopefully you're still watching. You've asked, hey Rich, congrats and happy birthday. Here's my question. When should someone go with coaching or consulting versus self-study via online courses and eBooks, etc.? I think this can apply to any field in particular, whether it's like job seeking or sales uh, or learning sales, etc. Do you have a process or strategy you use yourself when learning new skills? Thank you. I think the more specific the skill or thing is, then the more you might need someone 
to help you like an individual to coach you. And the reason why is because the books and the courses can only they can either be evergreen. So they have to be very fairly generic in what they're saying, or they can be right for now in terms of they have um, uh, an awareness of, for instance, a course on how to do Facebook ads. You'll have an awareness of the main principles and that will be fine. But I have a book that I bought hilariously just for fun because I saw it in, in um, uh, a secondhand shop called The Facebook Era from 2009. I bought it for fun. So this is 10 years ago. And you read through and you look into it going, this is utter rubbish. 10 years ago is great. I mean, it's really on point. But the point is that if I want to know now what to do, what I need is someone who is in the trenches doing it right now, a practitioner. So for example, and you know who you are, I'm going to come and see you tomorrow, uh, those of you who I'm uh, coaching. Some of you work with events, for example. I do too. If I had never sold events, you know, back 12 years ago when I worked in a, in a corporate event, and if I'm not selling events now, I'm, no, I'm not a practitioner. How can I possibly know what I'm talking about? But the cutting edge, the bleeding edge of knowledge on what works right now is what you need. Uh, if that's what you need, then that's when you typically need a coach, in my opinion. Um, the broader stuff, like just the main principles of marketing, that's why you don't need a marketing coach. Nonsense. You just don't. Because, and it's the same with a lot of this stuff. With sales, the same, same often with branding coaches. A branding coach that has read one book on branding or a bunch of YouTube videos and now is giving you the 101 on branding is a little bit pointless because they've just done an hour's work that you haven't done and you could go do that yourself. Sure, you're buying the convenience and it can be helpful, but you're not going to learn cutting edge stuff nearly as much um, from that person as someone who's a serious uh, um, you know, a frontline worker in that space. So um, I think I think if it's general broad stuff, you just don't need to, to get a coach. And I do think that the best way of learning is getting on the pitch and trial and erroring yourself. But I understand that sometimes you can buy the service and that saves you a lot of time. And, you know, a great example is Facebook ads. And I've I've paid for the service and the, uh, things like um, repurposing a video such as this into other videos. I've paid for the service and it's far more effective uh, uh, use of time and money to do it that way um, uh, rather than someone coach me. I could have someone sit me down for an hour and I spend, you know, two grand and they, ex they explain the ins and outs of Facebook advertising and how that works. And then I have to go and do it. Or I could spend that money on someone who can do it for me. And some things you kind of have to outsource to a degree, I believe. So it's a very good question. Um, I think that just you just need to remember you need someone who has demonstrable in trenches success that can show you results, they are people to learn from. And I suggest you learn from them when you need the particular detail. I remember learning from a guy once about how to create a particular type of funnel. And I paid him $2,000 and it was worth every penny. It was two hour phone call across two weeks. And it was like, this is the best money I spent. It made me so much money back. And I only used him for that one thing because you can't get the current cutting edge detail on it in the moment in a book because by the time the book's written it's probably changed a bit and it's the same with for instance the linkedin uh, workshop i'm running uh in milan on friday uh this week is a good example of, of being able to do a q a 
they'll be learning from someone who's in the trenches doing it right now rather than who's just read about how LinkedIn works. You need to have someone who's a real hardcore practitioner and I think that really does help. So that's a really great question. There's my take on it. Uh, and let's finish with one more. Mirav Levine has, uh, Levine, uh, Levine, Levine, Levine has said, uh, how many, so many questions, Richard. Number one, how do you decide which charities uh, you will donate to for your EBL? Um, so as I've already said, so the way I do this is it's based on there being a story. So I'll ask the speakers if I haven't got one you know, close to heart already. Um, when New in New York City, I was reading about a charity called Pencils of Promise. Um, it worked with education, it worked with children uh, in, in areas of the world where uh, they're not so fortunate. And in January, when our first New York event launched, uh, New York event, um, uh, yeah, it was Entrepreneur Business Live there, and we had... Uh, I had a visit uh, from CJ Stanfield, who came then subsequently uh, to the next event and is going to come again next week. Um, and then I visited his office and he showed me around. He showed me what the money was doing. And it was like, it really touched me. You know, I remember the money raised from that event on, in January paid for a water filter. So they had fresh water in a school in Ghana for a year for 150 children. The small amount, we only raised like a few hundred dollars, but that went to pay for this thing. And I was like, it just really felt tangible, you know, and it, and it mattered again. It's that angle of it worked with education because of building schools, it worked with children as well. So I said, you know, let's work with you for the year. So I look at something that matters rather than, I don't know, pick a charity, uh, something that means something to me. So there has to be a story. And if there wasn't one, as with Miami, then I asked, you know, around. And same with Melbourne. We worked with clown doctors. So these are people who, you know, that, that when there are children who are in a very bad place in hospitals uh, down in Melbourne in, in Australia, um, the clown doctors are people who go and kind of brighten their day and tell jokes and make them happy, basically. And Diana, uh, who was one of the um, speakers in, in, um, in Melbourne, she also does this. Uh, so to donate with them to them really made sense. You know, there's a bit of a story behind it. So that's that's how I choose them. Uh, your second question. Uh, uh, do you think all businesses should have a non-profit angle? I don't I, I, I don't think I can answer that. But what I what I felt, to be honest, was that. I felt it was wrong, bordering, bordering disgusting to be able to generate so much attention online that I leveraged to create events that had people attending and spending money on them and then put all that money in my back pocket. I felt that was kind of, that was kind of appalling if I did that. And so we all have to live, but when you're okay, you kind of think, well, maybe I could do something else. So to gain all that attention and to help help people through the events, but to not give something back, I thought would be disgusting. And yeah, we're helping the people in the room and we're helping the people watching the live streams, that's great. But to be able to then help a local charity as well, because of those people deciding to come together, I thought it was an amazing thing. And you know, in the last year and a bit, in just over a year, we've raised almost $5,000 for charity. I still need to work out how much it is. Um, but you know, that's really fantastic because uh, of the community getting behind it. So at the very least, even if you didn't learn anything from the event, and some people have bought tickets to not show up. They bought tickets in other cities just to support it. I just think it's a really good angle. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if everyone's all right, then what are we doing not giving some money back? I think it's pretty appalling otherwise. Um, so that, that was my approach at least. And I can't tell people how to run their businesses in that respect, but that, that's how I looked at it. Um, 
And another question you have, let's finish up with all these. What's your favorite app on the phone right now? PayPal, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> no, no, no. Less differently, I, I like PayPal because it's, it's, it gives me lovely notifications each morning. Uh, I actually really like, there's, a, there's one called Neos Smart Home, N-E-O-S, and um, it's like 25 quid. It connects to Alexa. Um, it's a little smart camera like this, is that this big? Uh, and it's, uh, I have it downstairs looking over the back, back door of the house and the conservatory. And it's, the reason why I like it so much is you can watch a live stream of, of what's going on in your house, of course, these are smart cameras. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Barcelona at the Entrepreneur Business Live event. I could, like from my phone, I could watch what was happening at, uh, just before school run at home. So live streaming, I could watch my daughters getting um, their shoes on, ready to go out the door, and I could talk to them through the camera and wish them have a you know have a have a great birth uh, birthday, have a great day at school. And they turned around and they talked back to me, and it was a really lovely uh, thing. So it's a really great app. And so the same in Miami. When I was in Miami, I was able to tune in and watch what's going on at dinner time. It's really nice, kind of creepy. But it's okay because I'm on their dad, so it's fine. I let them know I was watching. But it's a really nice thing to be able to do. Um, the other thing is, is I, I really like the LinkedIn app because it's a very good app to be able to see all the things going on. But th that's three answers for you. Uh, and you'll finish. This is quite a nice question to finish on from you, Mirav. Thank you for four questions. Um, birthday cake or birthday ice cream or birthday drinks? Yes, is the answer. Um, so thank you very much, everyone, for watching. Next week is week 168, where I'll be 39 years old. Thank you all in advance, everyone, for giving me all these happy birthday messages. It's very kind of you. Um, and well done to, uh, well done to, who won it? Danny Patrick for winning the Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Th well done to Valentin Kostadinov uh, for the uh, three courses as well. Thank you, everyone watching on uh, Instagram, thank you for watching in advance the replay on IGTV, listening on the podcast, watching on Facebook, watching the replay on Facebook, watching live on LinkedIn, it worked. <laughs> and uh, uh, watching the replay as well. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day and I'll catch you all really soon. Remember, if you're in New York City next week on Thursday the 17th, make sure you're going to Entrepreneur Business Live. If you don't go or you can't make it, tag someone you know who should. All the details are on therichardmore.com. So thank you very much. I'm gonna sign off uh, on Instagram. See you later.